Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast. This is an interview with Dwayne Bach. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody? Thanks for downloading the Dwayne Bach interview. Dwayne is a fantastic guy. He was a great player back in the day. Now caddies for Kevin Kisner on the PGA Tour. We're going to talk about getting in trouble from the tour for exposing his incredibly large calf muscles, his relationship with Kiz, the biggest mistake he's ever made on the course with Kiz, a few guys he thinks could pop this season on the PGA Tour, and what Jay Monahan, commissioner of the PGA Tour, has meant to caddies. This is a fantastic interview. If you enjoy it, leave us a great iTunes review, and always download, don't just stream. For now, enjoy the interview. Here's Dwayne Bach. All right, everybody, pretty excited about this guest. It's a long overdue interview for the Tour Junkies. He's um, He's been good to us, man. He's been really good to us, and he's a legend on, on the PGA Tour. He's got he's got two kids. He's married. He's you know, from Long Island, lives in North Carolina, played some college golf. He was once the ninth-ranked amateur in the world. That's pretty impressive. I didn't know that about, about our next guest, but... You know, famously, he caddies for our boy Kevin Kisner, but I think the most famous thing about Dwayne Bach, our guest for tonight's podcast, is the incredible honey-baked hams that live on each of his lower leg, uh, his legs, his calves, his extremities down there. Dwayne Bach, um, how are you doing and how are the calves tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. I mean, damn, you guys have done some research on me, huh? But uh, yeah, don't oh, yeah, don't call them honey-baked yeah. hams. Although there's not a lot out there on you. <laughs> no, I'm I'm kind of a you know I'm a quiet guy, but uh, yeah, don't call these things honey baked hams because I'll reach down there and start eating them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, so Dwayne Bach, caddies for Kevin Kisner, just a great dude, and been um, been around the game of golf for a long time. It seems like at Dwayne Bach on Twitter, you all need to make sure you follow him if you're not already. That's D U A N E Bach, and then of course. The at box calves parody account, which I'm sure is not run by you, Dwayne, but there is a, your calves have their own Twitter account. Have you yeah, ever met the uh, individual behind the calves? No, I, I've never met him or, or her, and I have no idea who it is. I mean, um, Kevin, um, you know, he he tells me he doesn't know who it is either, but uh, it's kind of weird. So, I mean, some of the photos that that, that have come out are. I mean, photos from inside the ropes, from outside the ropes, and, and you know, from all over the country. So I, I don't know who's that. I, I would have to think that's probably more than one person, but it's uh, it's it's quite funny. They've been kind of quiet late, uh, recently, but, uh, but boy, they, they're they funny when they do say so. I, you know, I can relate, Bog, because we have we now have our first parody Tour Junkies account <laughs> that is called Not Tour Junkies. And I swear David knows – who is behind this, I do not. this account, but he will not tell me. And it, they know too much. They know too much about us. There's just, I don't know. So but, I, I, but I it's an inside there. job. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. There's definitely somebody on the inside. I feel like it's an inside job for box calves as well. And and it probably is more than one person. Cause I mean, those calves, you got to have one person that's keeping up with the left and one that's keeping up with the right. <laughs> if you had one guy trying to handle that at the same time, I think that could be kind of difficult. So uh, oh, uh, we're God. narrowing down the field here. It's it's an inside job, and it's at least two people. <laughs> there you go. 
Now, I got to ask you a question. Have you ever been in trouble on a tour for letting for letting those calves out in the wild? Do you have a story about that? Um, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I got in trouble because I, I was wearing – I didn't realize, but um, supposedly that I had some kind of rose color. I don't even know what color shorts they were, like kind of reddish, kind of – I think they were faded, so they were probably rose colored by the time I wore them and got in trouble. <laughs> I, I wore them uh, – a number of times. I mean, I think uh, I got in trouble. It was in March when they told me that I wasn't allowed to wear red shorts. And um, I think I brought them out in Hawaii a couple of months before that. So um, I definitely wore them a couple of times. But um, yeah, we finished around. It was it was at the Arnold Palmer um, in Bay Hill. And uh, we finished the round. And I always go inside and, and uh, make sure Kevin's scorecard's correct, make sure there's two signatures on there before I leave them. And uh, so I'm about to walk out the door after all everything was checked, and the, the rules official there asked me to stay, and and that he needed to talk to me after he finished with everybody's scorecard. So I stayed in there, and he told me that um, my shorts were um, non-conforming. So uh, mm. I didn't know what he was talking about, mm. and so I come out, and of course Kevin Kevin wants to know what that's all about, and so I let him know, and he uh, he's not too happy with it. So he kind of he took care of business for me with everybody, and. Uh, he looked out for me and um, yeah, it was all taken care of after that. But it was amazing because I think uh, I may have tweeted something out about it. And uh, and then all of a sudden the media got a hold of it. And the next thing you know, it's in Yahoo Sports and CBS Sports and everything <laughs> else like that. And it's it, it was out there. So, um, yeah, but, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, I have to let them out because I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, it's, I can, it's hard to find a pair of jeans or pair of pants that fit over my calves. Yeah. Um, I am I'm definitely I, I uh, wearing a that. lot of shorts a lot of the times. So. Well, I think it sounds like some internal jealousy and maybe an insecurity on the part of the PGA rules of, uh, officiating crowd. Um, it just seems like maybe some calf discrimination, you know? Um, <laughs> and we, we, we want guys represented for that. Glad to hear kids stood up for you. That's That's good stuff. Um, Absolutely. all right, well, let's, let's, now that we've got that out of the way, cause that's really the most important part of everything we're going to talk about. The rest of this is really just gravy, uh, DB. It takes a really special human, uh, like yourself to spend as much time as you do with a guy like Kevin Kisner. <laughs> Tell us you what so? you think the, yeah, um, let's think of maybe two or three things that you really important traits or qualities that you would have to have Let, let's say let's say you uh you know let, let's say you were hanging it up uh you and the calves were going to stroll off into the sunset and you were interviewing the next caddy for kevin what would be the most important traits that that caddy would have to have to handle kevin kisner um i think i think the biggest thing and, and i and i learned this from kevin is um you know you, you can't be afraid to, to speak your mind he wants your honest opinion he wants uh when he asks you something it's uh he wants to know that he's asking you because he values your opinion and uh, your insight and what you can help out um, um, with the team. And, um, you know, he doesn't want you beating around the bush. He doesn't want you to try to, you know, as he says, he doesn't need a cheerleader out there. He needs somebody that's going to give him an honest answer and, and, uh, and not be scared to do that. So, um, you know, it, it, it takes a while, especially when you start working for somebody um, to do that. And, um, but, you know, there's been a number of times he said, man, don't caddy scared. I don't, I don't want somebody that's going to caddy for me that's going to caddy scared. And um, and I think that's the number one thing that with, with working for yeah, Kevin. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, if, if, if I really feel like it's a seven iron and, 
you know, and he's he's not feeling it. I mean, it, there, you have to. I mean, the hard thing is, I mean, there's a reason why, I, you know, for 10 years working for him, it, it, there's reasons why I feel it's a certain thing. And you have to voice that. You have to you have to give those options to him. And then he's ultimately going to decide what to do. But um, and then even if it's uh, with practice, I mean, what do you think we need to work on? What do you think I'm doing wrong? You know what? I mean, he wants your honest opinion on those things. And, you know, it's. Uh, he takes that constructive criticism fairly well, at least face to face. He does. I mean, I don't know, you know, one, once I'm gone, I might be an SOB, but you know, but he knows that, uh, you know, his best interest is in my mind. And, and uh, I think he, uh, he appreciates that. You probably got to have some pretty thick skin to be around Kevin Kisner too, right? Like, <laughs> maybe not as much on the course, but outside the course. Right. Uh, no, you know, a lot of inside the ropes. I mean, he's told me a number of times. Kevin's told me a number of times. He, he goes, man, I don't even realize the shit that I say to you out there. And, uh, <laughs> and it's true. I mean, there's, there are times when, you know, I'll just, I'll say something and he'll snap back at me. And, and, and I just literally in my mind, I don't say it out loud. And I'm like, you know, this guy is out of his mind. What is he? T- I mean, you know, or, or, you know, something like that. I mean, but it's, you know, it is just vintage Kevin Kisner. I mean, it's um, because, you know, he's going to speak th- his mind. And, and um, but, you know, when we're out there, when we're inside those ropes, I mean, it's we're, we're a team. I mean, yes, I do work for Kevin. He is my boss. But, you know, for those five hours, we're inside the ropes and we're, we're competing. We're competing together as, te- as, as a team. And, um, you know, but he just, I mean, there are times, I mean, um <laughs> one of my favorites is, you know, he, I mean, the wind will, I mean, if you have a ceiling fan, if you're in a room, you have a ceiling fan blowing a turn above you, that's more wind than, than what I'm feeling on the golf course. And I mean, <laughs> he's like, you know, I, I'm like, dude, there's nothing up there. And he'll hit one and he'll kind of block it a little bit. Right. And, you know, for the first hole, it's, you know, John Tillery, we call him JT is his teacher. And he, you know, for the first yeah. couple of holes, he'll block one and he'll be, you know, bitching about JT this, you know, he can't, why am I always blocking it? And then all of a sudden it's like the fourth hole. And it's like, I got a little bit out of the right, kids. One's a little out of the right. And he'll hit one, he'll block it out. And he'll be like, if that wins out of the right, I'll kiss your ass. Cause it's not coming back over. And I'm like, well, is it JT? Is it me or is it JT? I mean, what's the problem here? We just hit three balls right. I mean, the first two are JT's fault. Now this one's my fault because the wind's not coming out of the right. But, uh, but yeah, you gotta have some, you have to have some thick skin with kids. And, uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, uh, you know, he is, I could not imagine working for anybody else. I mean, I started with him 10 years ago now. It's, uh, it's been a hell of a ride. And we we started, we started at Q school when he had zero status and, uh, here we are now 32 in the world, I think right now. So it's, uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. That's for sure. Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We'll get right back to it. I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at mybookie.ag. If you like betting on golf, the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, you can bet on the next Pope, you can bet on the next presidential election, you can bet on Justin Bieber's best man when he gets married, you can bet on all kind of stuff. And every now and then they throw out a few special bets for Tour Junkies followers. It's a fantastic site to bet on. And listen, we know personally, we've been betting with these guys over a year now. Anytime we've had an issue, anytime we've had a question, it's so quick to be resolved. You can call them, talk to a real person, 
easy to understand, easy to get through. Their email support's fantastic. They've got a great Twitter presence. If you're on Twitter, you can tweet them and they'll answer questions. They're hilarious. They're great people. We've had great interactions with our friends at mybookie.ag. So if you're looking for a spot to gamble, you need to head over to mybookie.ag. When you sign up, if you use promo code TOURJUNKIES, all one word, promo code TOURJUNKIES, when you type that in when you sign up and you make an initial deposit of $50 or more, they will match that deposit 100% up to $1,000. Let's not get crazy. We're not going to do like $10,000 matches here, but up to $1,000, they'll match it, and you can start playing with some house money. It's that easy. Their mobile site is the best in the business from your phone. It's so clean, so easy to use. Website is friendly. It's really just a great site, and they've supported the Tour Junkies show for a long time. So if you guys are interested, check out mybookie.ag. Use promo code TOURJUNKIES, all one word, and get yourself that 100% deposit bonus. All right, thanks for listening. Let's get back to the podcast. Well, you guys are a great team, but I'm, I'm sure you'd be lying if you said you never thought about popping his little pee head right off his little <laughs> neck and his calves of yours. No, 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 no comment. No comment. No comment. Well, so inside the ropes, like, so talk about a time where maybe you've made what was the what's the biggest mistake you've ever made on like in the ropes during competition on the bag for kids and what what happened. Can you remember a time? Um, one time I, this I, out to you? Um, Kevin's cadence on the golf course is very fast. I mean, he is a fast player. Um, and because of that, I am always trying to stay one step ahead. And I'm always, um, I'm, I'm pretty good with numbers, except when I have to subtract them. I mean, I'm not, I, I can't subtract quickly, but Kevin's very fast, but, um, and I, I make mistakes with, with, with numbers at times. And, and I believe me, I mean, I, I hate it when I do it, but it happens. Be, and, and the thing about Kevin is he doesn't know, he, he'll carry a yardage book, but he doesn't, he very rarely does he open it. I would say probably if we're playing 18 holes, he, he'll open this, that yardage book maybe two or three times, um, mm. except when he thinks I messed up. So uh, there's a lot of, a, a lot of the yardages are on me. Um, and, the biggest one, and I, I, I still hate it to this day. We, we were, we were in China, and the year before we just finished second in China. The year before, and we were halfway across the world, and we're Thursday morning. We're starting on number ten, and there's one pin that is like three yards over this huge ridge, and I mean you can blow it twenty yards over this green and be fine, but if you if you don't get it up on top of that ridge. You're going to make five or six. You're going to make bogey or double bogey guaranteed. And um, so sure enough, I missed the yardage by like four yards. And um, it's the mm-hmm. first hole of the day, half, halfway around the world. And he hits this thing and, and it hits right up on top of the mound and spins back down off the green. I mean, we're 30 yards short of the green now. And he's he knows, and it's just a wedge. I mean, it was a sand lob wedge, I think it was. I don't remember the number, but he knows that he's like, I hit that number. I know I did. So of course he rips his yardage book out of his back pocket and he opens it to the 10th hole and he's looking. And sure enough, I, I think I subtracted. We were only two yards from the frigging head too. And I, and I think I subtracted two instead of adding two. So I made it four yards wrong. And of course, and this pin is only four yards. And um, yeah, and I, we ended up making. I think he made a hell of a bogey. I, he um, to, to, from that position, and 
but it, it was just the wrong way to, and we're all the way in China. It's not like we're close by. It's not like it's, yeah, it's a yeah. world golf event. We just finished second the year before. Oh. And, and that was just, yeah, that, that was brutal. Um, and, um, and then, and, and there's not many opportunities on tour when you're going to have a wedge in your hand, a lot wedge and a birdie opportunity. And here I am, I screwed it up on the first. And so now I'm nervous the rest of the day. I mean, the rest of the tournament, he's always looking over my shoulders to see if I'm adding correctly. And, um, and then I get, then I get nervous and I start messing up. And I mean, it's just like, just leave me alone. I'm all right, but I can add numbers. I just messed that yeah. up. But. We once again, once again, though. I can relate. I can relate because you know my my DB likes to point out my mistakes uh, constantly. So, so I feel like we're like kindred spirits, yeah. Dewey. I mean, I feel like you, yeah. you know. That's, yeah. you know, that's why when I saw you at, at Kids's Foundation event, you know, we just we just hit it off. I mean, we talked like old friends, you know, like when, you know that's yeah. right. why. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, let's move on before this gets out of hand. Uh, <laughs> what, what are some courses on tour, um, Dewey, that you think fit Kisner's, um, fit that fit him the best that are coming on the schedule this season? What are those courses you, know, you, you look at and go, that's where, that's where my man has the best chance to win. Well, I mean, just look at his track record. I mean, it's the old style golf course. It's the golf course that you have to, you have to plod your way around, uh, starting right from the tee box. Um, so, you know, the ones that I love, I mean, I, I love Augusta. I love Hilton Head. I love the Players' Championship. I love Colonial. Um, those are the events that I really, I really like. Um, there are a few courses up north. Coming from Long Island, um, I love the Northeast as far as that style of golf. Um, unfortunately, Kevin doesn't like playing up there. Um, he likes that Bermuda grass. He loves the Southeast. Um, we just don't have a good track record up north, but... Um, um, you know, as far as the ones that I mark on my schedule is, is, uh, is of course the, 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 the old style type of golf course, the Hilton heads, the colonials. Um, and, um, we, we get a little bit of that, uh, kind of, you have to put in the right side of the fairway, the correct side of the fairway and, uh, at, at the players championship and you have to do it at Augusta. And, um, those, those are the golf courses that, that he likes, um, and to be, but to be honest with you, I mean, when, when, when we get on Bermuda grass, it's, it, I, he just loves it. And, and Kevin is a great putter, um, one of, one of the best yeah. in the world. And, um, you know, he puts that Bermuda grass like it's, uh, like it's carpet. And so, um, I just can't wait to get on that Bermuda grass, to be honest with you. You mentioned Augusta and that, that kind of surprised me a little bit. I mean, I, I know, I'm sure Kiz has an affection for Augusta that being how close in proximity he is to it, but. You know, if you're, if I'm objective, it feels like Augusta is almost getting out of reach for him in terms of length. So tell me why it's not like what? Because I w- I would look at kids and just be like, man, he'd have to hit the perfect year, kind of that Zach Johnson year where conditions would have to be, you know, a little more conducive to the plotter type. And because um, right now it just seems like Augusta is built for bombers. I guess Patrick Reed somewhat proved that wrong. I mean, he's not a super long guy. And I know Kiz has gained a little length, but what is it that you think he can, you know, he, he would give him the best chance to win at Augusta? Well, I, I, the reason I like Augusta is because of the strategy it takes around Augusta. I mean, yes, you are correct. I mean, for us to compete at Augusta, we have to be firing on all cylinders. I mean, driving it well, hitting it well, chipping it well, putting it well. I mean, it just, but you need yeah. an all-around game 
um, you can't fake it. We're, with our game, we, we can't fake it around that place. But um, what I love about Augusta and what I love about, I guess not so much Kevin as fit in his game, but the reason I throw in Augusta is because the strategy, and I just love working golf courses like that. I love, you know, if the pin's over there to the right, you know, using slopes and, and um, you know, knowing, you know, I just feel like, you know, I can help him on golf courses like that. You know, it's just not, it's just not bombs away and, you know, take an iron and fly, you know, just wear yeah. the flag, let me hit it at it. And, and those are the, the, that's where I love to work. That's what, um, that's what gets my juices flowing, so to speak. So does it truly fit our game off the tee? No, because, you know, where we have to be perfect with a six iron and a seven iron and a five iron where the longer guys have to be perfect with an eight iron, nine iron, you know, and so. Yes, it is right. different that way, but um, we can. I, I really do feel like we can compete around that place because you can use those slopes. The greens are so fast and they're so slopey that you know if you can manage yourself and hit him and hit the golf ball in the correct spot coming into the green, you can use those slopes and get the ball. The where they put those pins, you can get the ball relatively close around those greens, um, or excuse me, around those pin placements to uh, to have opportunities at birdies and. The more we play it, the more I get, we both get comfortable going around that place. And um, don't be shocked if he's, if he's in contention around, around there. Man, we would love to see it. Um, all right. So I want to, I want to ask you something. You, you mentioned kind of a bomb and gouge type golf course, you know, where you just hit it a long way, whether you find the fairway or not, no big deal. Slap your iron, you know, aim, fire at the hole and let's move on. When you talk about those kind of courses, what are the courses on the regular PGA Tour schedule that that fit that profile that come to your mind? Uh, probably the first one comes uh, is like um, San Antonio, um, the the, mm -hmm. the big TPC golf courses. Um, you know, it it seems like um, the last couple of U.S. Open golf courses that we played, um, that where the fairways have been a little bit wider, um, and you know they're playing them at ten thousand yards or whatever they are. I mean, it's um it's getting brutal that way um but um but yeah i mean san antonio comes to mind right off the bat um we played there a few yeah. times and it just we we stay away from it it's uh it's a it's just a big yard and and um you know the wind can blow and and uh but it's it's where they place the cross bunkers even even last the playoff events it just it just it's unfortunate that we get to these playoff events and we really needed a, a strong one at um, uh, in where were we? Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. No, we were in Pennsylvania this year um, before the Tour Championship, and we needed a good one to get to the Tour Championship. But we still had an outside chance, of maybe making a Ryder Cup team. And I went yeah. out there and and walked the golf course and and did my coursework all you know by myself. And I'm out there and I'm like every single cross bunker or fairway bunker starts at right around 270 and goes to about 300 yards and or 295 and I'm like that's right where we landed every single driving hole so um you know what is that golf course called a rom or something I, I don't even know the name of it it's yeah it, but it's unfortunate that we we go to see these golf courses and they're in the playoff rotation and 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 we have there there's our fairway bunkers and they're they're right at that 270 to 290 295 mark and you know we can't carry it that far and so we have to fit ourselves around it where other guys are just blowing it right on over it and um, playing, a, playing a totally different golf course than what we're playing. 
Yeah, I get it. All right, I'm going to ask you one more, and then I'm going to let Pat go. What, talking to, going back to the relationship with kids, we were there um, in 2017 at the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow on Sunday trying to pull you and kids through. Talk about what's the first thing you remember saying to kids? Like, what what's the message to, to your guy in that situation? Final group, Sunday at a major, um, to get the first major. What was the message before you left on on the first hole on Sunday? And then what was the message when you walked off 18? Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that, I mean, is is let's go out and play Kevin Kisner golf. I mean, and that's, you know, that that's what he has to do. I mean, not worry about anybody else, not worry about the golf course. I mean, we, we're obviously, he's obviously playing well, um, you know, to be in that position. He's not, and one, one thing I love about Kevin is that the, when he gets in that position, he doesn't, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't play scared. He's not afraid of that big stage. And, you know, and, and he said it, I've heard him say it in interviews where, you know, why, why get nervous now? I mean, I'm playing great. I get more nervous trying to make a cut when I'm not playing well than I do when I'm in contention trying to win a golf tournament because I, he has that confidence and that inner belief in himself that, that he's playing well. So, so why get nervous? And so, you know, I, I don't remember the exact words, but you know, it was, it was to the effect of, you know, let's just go out and play Kevin Kisner golf and let's go out and have fun and, 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 and go to work. And, um, and we were, you know, and that's, that's, that's what we did. And, you know, after the round, it was, uh, it, it was, it was, it was, I don't want to say it was a tough pill to swallow because it's, it's hard. It's hard to win. It's hard to win a major. I mean, we have, you have yeah. to put yourself in, in those positions. And that's, that's one thing about Kevin's whole career. I mean, if you look at back when I started with him at, you know, we went to the, the web.com tour and, and uh, he won kind of towards the second half of the year, he won in, in Pittsburgh. And then we got a tour card and, and he struggled for two years and had to go back to the web web so it you it, you know it takes time to you know there aren't <clears throat> excuse me there aren't a lot of guys that can just go out and win right away you know john rom or something like that kevin is that you know get your feet under your you know really get that confidence going and, and, and that belief that you can be out here and do it and you know and, and you know he doesn't want to hear it you know and i he didn't want to hear it right then and there that you know i remember as we walked off the golf course, he did an interview and someone said to him, said, uh, well, this was your first chance at winning a major. And he was like, I don't want to, that doesn't matter. I mean, it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't do what I wanted. You know, the goal was to win and, and I didn't perform the way we needed to coming down the stretch. And, you know, so um, whether he believes that deep down, I don't know, but I do. I, I believe that you have to, if you just look at his career, he needs to get his feet underneath him. He needs to, you know, build that confidence and build it up. And the more that we're getting into it, the more comfortable he gets. And, and look at the look at what, what we've done since that time. I mean, it was the, it was the PGA there, and then it was the uh, British Open this year, and then back again at the PGA this year. We're, we're giving ourselves more opportunities to to compete and win. Come down coming down the stretch on Sunday. So, so ever you know, you got everyone talking about distance. I mean, that that's just kind of the the major, you know just theme these days when it comes to the tour explain the advantage distance players have on a track like you know el chameleon you know you got harbor town or, or other like shorter tracks um well the longer guy i mean he's gonna hit you know a three iron off the tee versus um you know a driver or three wood that we have to hit i mean you know is that an advantage i mean 
you know, I, I know back in my playing days, I would much rather hit a driver than, you know, tee up a driver and hit a driver than I would trying to hit a three iron off the tee. But, you know, they, you know, back in my playing days, I mean, you know, my nickname may have been Dewey, but I mean, everybody knew if that pound for pound, I was the shortest guy, you know, that ever played the game. Cause I, I mean, I hit it nowhere. <laughs> um, but well, um, I can, I can beat you there. Now. Come on. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, but I mean, it's, you know, that I would say that would be an advantage. I mean, is, is that they don't have to, you know, we have to still hit driver or we still have to hit a pretty good solid three wood where they can hit irons off the tees. And, and no matter, even if it's a short golf course, I mean, um, uh, Harbor town has some unbelievable par threes. I mean, that, uh, what is it? 14th hole, um, hitting through the, the chute there over the water, the wind blowing, you know, you, you put us on that back tee with a back 10. I mean, we still have to go in there with a mid iron and, and, uh, or a long iron and, and the other guys are, you know, one or two irons, a little bit, you know, it's always easier, easier to hit a seven iron than it is to hit a five iron. So, um, you know, that is one of the advantages, you know, length will always be an advantage. Um, but, um, it can be nullified a little bit, uh, with, uh, with these tighter golf courses and these shorter golf courses, you know, and to be honest with you, it doesn't really have to be shorter. I mean, Ke- I mean, Kevin's not short. I mean, these guys aren't short, but th- you know, 290, it's amazing how 290 nowadays is short. Um, you know, <laughs> back in the day, it was two, 265, 250, you know, 265 was short, but now it's 290 short. It's, uh, um, you know, these guys can still, and with technology also, I mean, the three irons, you know, you, you can make a muscle back and then they can get up in the air a little bit and spin a little bit more and, and things like that so um but when you get on the shorter golf courses like like that um you know that the longer hitters they you know that's what they can do where, where it can still be in a little bit of an advantage but you know kevin will kevin will play dustin johnson or john rom and you know play any of those guys at, at colonial or or um harbor town and feel like he you know he, he's not he's not standing on a first tee giving them any type of an advantage. So that's, that's, that's where the difference is. I think. Yeah. Here I am sitting here calling kids a short, a short knocker when I hit it like two twenty five off the tee. <laughs> Damn that far. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm probably not one to talk. David put that question in for me and, uh, I can't really it. but, um, all right. So how much do you and kids, um, you know, look at stats to evaluate, you know, his game, you know, where he needs improvement and, and really what stats do you like? I mean, what are your favorites? Which ones do you think are just garbage that people talk about maybe too much that don't, aren't really relevant? Uh, when it comes to stats, I mean, I, I mean, I, I always, I, I think the short game, I think around the, around the greens, um, the, the scrambling stats and the, and the sand saves and the putting, I mean, I think that's, when it comes down to if you're going to have a good week, no matter how far you hit it, I mean, it's going to come down to the guys that chipped it and putted it uh, well for that week, or they're, they're going to be in the top 10 um, when, when the week is over, um, you know, so, you know, the, the fairways hit and, and things like that, because there, there are a lot of, a lot of whole, I mean, I, I think that's just a garbage one. I mean, to be quite honest um, for the most part, I mean, yeah, there, there are going to be some, some golf courses, especially up in the Northeast where you have to drive it in the fairway. But, um, you know, I just, I, I, when it comes down to keeping stats, I, I always constantly look at 
you know, how, how did we do scrambling? How did we do um, putting? And um, a lot of that has to do with, you know, again, my, my job as far as trying to um, help him around the golf course. And, and part of my job is to, uh, to help him miss it, sort of speak. I, I hate using that word, but, you know, if we are going to miss it, we have to, we have to miss it in the correct spot. So, you know, are we short siding ourselves and are we not, are we hitting it into a fair, uh, a greenside bunker where we have no chance of getting it up and down? And is that a mistake that I've made versus, you know, did I make that mistake or did, did, uh, did, did he just not execute the shot and make that mistake? And so those, those are the shots that those are the, the stats that I look at, um, is that scrambling and putting. Well, I, you know, we obviously you talked earlier about how, you know, kids loves the, the Bermuda greens, but, how much does does Kiz pick his schedule based on you know his skill set for particular courses? Um, you know, I, I think quite a bit. I mean, now that uh, now that he's able to to pick his schedule, I mean, when we first was first couple of years out on tour, we, you know, if they told us we were in the field, I mean, we went and we played. So I mean, he's he's been to just about. I think he's been to every tournament um, on the tour schedule. Um, now it's just a matter of which ones which ones fit him. And, and uh, I think, you know, the whole schedule is, is, is based around, around those things. So um, we do talk late in the year about, uh, about setting up a, a tentative schedule for the next year. And, and, uh, and he wants feedback from everybody. He wants, uh, he wants feedback from myself, from, from John Tillery and uh, even his agent. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, of course, again, it comes down to his final decision, but um but we give our input on what, where we like to go and then where we think we have the best uh, opportunities to, to compete. And, um, and it, you know, we're not just going to go play to play golf. I mean, that's just not the, – the season is long. And, and what people – a lot of people, especially people around here, you know, they'll see me around town or out at my, my own golf course and they'll be like, man, you guys are not playing this week? I mean, don't you feel like you're giving up an opportunity and all this other stuff? And I'm like – you know, rest is just as important as playing. I mean, if these guys can't play every single week, there's no way they can do it. I mean, the travel and everything yeah. else is is overwhelming, and uh, so we all we all know that rest is just as important as as playing, and uh, you have to be ready to to give yourself uh, the best opportunity to play well. So, um, yeah, his whole it it is solely. I think right now, with him being able to pick his schedule, it is it is solely based on places that he wants to go and he's excited to play. And when he tees it up on, on Thursday, he feels like he has an opportunity to, uh, to win that, win that event. So let's, let's talk about some other guys. Cause I know kids loves to be the center of attention. We we've talked a little bit, probably too much about him. <laughs> no <but> way. <laughs> uh, based off what I saw at the, uh, his uh, foundation event, he loves, loves being on that center stage. Um, <laughs> But let's talk. Let's he can dance talk. too, can he? Yeah. Oh my. All right. So let's talk about some other guys. Who are some of the guys? Like, are who can you think of that maybe had, maybe a less than stellar year uh, this past year that that you think is going to improve a lot and have a really good season uh, this year? Um. Wow. Good question. Um. But uh, one guy that impressed me that. Uh, that's kind of come out of nowhere and he, he's a Western Carolina kid and uh, um, is JT Poston. I thought that for, for, uh, for a while there, I mean, he, he, he just kind of, 
his name shows up, but then it, you know, it, it's not showing up every week, but I think that kid has a lot of talent. Um, there's another, uh, a couple other kids, um, that, uh, that are fresh out of college. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm waiting for, uh, Kevin Tway to, uh, to really have a, a an out, you know, to start winning some golf tournaments. I think he's, he's got the game to play and, and everything like that. But, uh, um, what difference has, has, uh, Jay Monahan brought as far as caddies are concerned. You know, I know that, you know, there, there was a lot of controversy, um, but he's, he's done some good things, you know, talk about the health benefits for caddies on tour now, um, or just anything, you know, really that you can think of that he's done for caddies um, that, you know, n- nobody would really know about. Uh, one thing I love about Jay is uh, I don't really remember what year it was, but he was not, uh, um commissioner yet um but i met him at a playoff event for the first time we were in new jersey it was uh, the barclays it was one of the first ones that was out there and um uh it, it was one of the first, it was the first playoff event and um uh jay comes over and uh, of course starts talking to kevin and, and he's walking down one of the holes with us and um the next thing i know is um you know, he comes over and he introduces himself to me and, and, and shakes my hand and, um, uh, you know, asks me my name and, you know, where I'm from and asks me all these questions and, you know, but I just, you know, okay, he works for the tour or whatever. And, and I was just doing my own business and he walked with us for a whole and a half. And, um, and then, uh, it was, that was at the playoffs. And I don't think I saw him again until early the next year. And, um, it was just in passing. He was by himself. I was by myself. And, uh, he said, good morning, Dwayne. And he called me by my name, which was just, to me, just blew me out of the water. I mean, not only did he, you know, say hello and, but I mean, he called me by my name, which, uh, which was extremely impressive to me. It was a guy that uh, I felt like he, you know, of course he, you know, his job is, 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 is the players out there, but, um, you know, he, he has a special interest of, of the caddies as well. And, you know, he has our interest in mind, and, and that goes to show with what uh, what just happened with um, with the healthcare stuff and, and working together with us on on, on certain things and uh, as as a caddy organization. So, um, yeah, it's just I just think that he's opened the lines of communication between uh, the tour and the caddies, and you know, it, it's the same every week. It's not like we show up one week and we have have it one way, and we show up another week and we're like. You know, where's the porta john? I don't know where to go to the bathroom. Is there a porta john around here? You know, everything is getting to be a normal out there every single week. And you know, whether he has a, you know a hand in that or not, but uh, those are the changes that I'm starting to see out on tour um, each and every week that uh, that benefit us as an organization and, and being part of uh, being part of the show. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you back out there, man. And we'll uh, we'd love to have you back on the Tour Junkies podcast again one of these days. And uh... Appreciate the time and the information, man. This is good stuff. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, you know, shit, it's been it's about time, guys. I mean, you know, you know it me is. a long time, and it's 